Jason here. Welcome to the School of Zion ID. Today's episode is titled One Day. Um, I guess as an introduction, you know, this podcast is a continued effort to link our current economic fundamentals with ancient prophecies in order to analyze the religious significance of what's happening around us. Um, it's an effort to increase faith, to learn more about Jesus' role in our salvation, his creative impact on our past, present, and future. Um, when John read the little book that outlined this dispensation, the dispensation of the fullness of times, he described that experience as making his belly bitter and in his mouth it was sweet as honey. Well, seeing the emergence of Jesus' kingdom is sweet. Um, while the simultaneous rise and fall of worldly Babylon is definitely enough to make a belly bitter. The world is currently in the early stages, um, when we're talking economic fundamentals, of experiencing a supply chain shortage. Uh, this shortage is happening across most, multiple industries. You can read about it. Um, Car companies are struggling. I guess uh, this week Honda announced that it's shutting its North American production. Ford announced that it will be building trucks, but it won't be able to finish those trucks because of the semiconductor shortages. Um, You're seeing shortages in home building products, food, electronics, furniture, plastics, bikes, fitness equipment, Um, The list goes on and on. I think the primary reason for these supply shortages, um, it seems to be that there is a lag in catching up uh, with current demand. And that lag in production has been caused by COVID and also the trade wars. Um, We're also seeing a lot of inefficiencies at our shipping ports that are probably linked to both of those issues as well. For the most part, I think analysts are saying that this supply constraint is transitory, it's short term. But if the COVID variants do to the rest of the world what they're doing right now in places like Brazil, France, Italy, the UK... Um, then these supply chain shortages and their resulting inflation may get worse before it gets better. Government leaders have mostly shifted away from lockdowns as a way to, um, you know, to beat the virus. Instead, they're focusing on vaccines, which um, even in the midst of an increasing COVID variant risk, Um, these government leaders will not lock down because they do recognize the importance of the supply chain. Um, I think it's interesting when we talk religion and a religious perspective that whenever the scriptures talk about a famine, uh, food generally comes to mind, but a famine, we need to understand, can be a shortage of any product. And any student of Latter-day Doctrine knows that famine is part of the story yet to play out. So as we move into the middle of the year 2021, um, these supply constraints of various components could impact our decision-making in many ways. 
right? Especially with stimulus money um, bidding up higher prices for these scarce items. Inflation does a lot of nasty things. Um, it reduces relative wealth as the bang for your buck is diminished. It can derail economic confidence. Uh, this year, it could perpetuate a reset, right? Away from fiat currency towards digital currency. And um, so those are some things to be looking out for. Another interesting thing is that pestilence, which is defined as a fatal epidemic disease, you know, something like COVID, is often discussed in the, in the scriptures in tandem with famine because pestilence often results in famine you know the one usually comes after the other so what we're seeing in this supply chain maybe was expected and it's something that could get worse if labor you know experiences another surge of covid due to the variant or if trade wars uh grow worse which we're seeing this week in China, um, China is blacklisting a lot of American companies like H&M, uh, Nike, those companies who have spoken out about uh, some labor problems there. So if that gets worse, you know, our supply chain could also get worse. Uh, these I would consider to be warning signs um, that one day could turn into something significant. In the book of Revelation, chapter 18, it says, starting in verse 3, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Talking about Babylon or the world here. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Now that's an interesting verse, verse 4, because we all rely upon Babylon, right? Like we all rely upon the economy, upon these supply chains. Um, but the Lord is commanding to be not partakers of Babylon's sins. Um, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward Babylon, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. So the part that really stands out from these verses in Revelation chapter 18 is that it says that Babylon's plagues will come in one day, and in one hour is her judgment come. So basically it comes out of nowhere and surprises most people. 
Jeremiah concurs with this. In chapter 50, it says, starting in verse 13, Because of the wrath of the Lord, it shall not be inhabited, talking about Babylon, but it shall be wholly desolate. Everyone that goeth by Babylon shall be astonished and hiss at all her plagues. Verse 40, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, saith the Lord, so shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. Um, God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah also in one day, in one hour. You couldn't even look back. There was no time. He's going to do the same to Babylon. Eric Brandt says the term abomination of desolation represents a sweeping judgment of devastating genocide that befalls peoples and nations because they have rebelled in full measure against God. These desolations spread across the land after the Spirit of the Lord is removed from the people. They come in the form of war, sickness, and natural calamity with the associated plagues of famine and pestilence. In the Book of Mormon, we read of the utter destruction of the people of Ammonihah. This example provides an unmistakable description of what an abomination of desolation looks like. In Alma 16, 9 through 11, it says, The people of Ammonihah were destroyed. Yea, every living soul was destroyed, and also their great city, which they said God could not destroy because of its greatness. But behold, in one day it was left desolate, and the carcasses were mangled by dogs and wild beasts of the wilderness. So how does this one-day destruction come to pass? Um, Let's dig a little deeper into the story of Ammonihah, because I think it provides an important type for us in the latter days. Um, This story starts in Alma chapter 9, contains the words of Alma and also the words of Amulek. Um, And I will just kind of read a smattering of verses from chapter 9 to chapter 16 that does a good job of summarizing the story. And again, I, Alma, having been commanded of God that I take Amulek and go forth and preach unto this people who were in the city of Ammonihah. And, uh, you know, the people really contended against Alma and Amulek. Um, And they said to them, We will not believe thy words if thou shouldst prophesy that this great city should be destroyed in one day. So Alma was actually telling these people that because of their wickedness, they were going to be destroyed in one day unless they repented. Well, we read the same thing in the book of Revelation that Babylon's going to be destroyed in one day. And Yeah, your initial reaction is probably similar to what these people in Ammonihah thought. Um, They said, we're not going to believe your words if you're telling us this crazy stuff. Verse 5, now they knew not that God could do such marvelous works, for they were a hard-hearted and a stiff-necked people. And they said, who is God that sendeth no more authority than one man among this people? to declare unto them the truth of such great and marvelous things. So they said, look, if God's going to destroy us, he's certainly going to send to us more than just one man. The people stood forth to lay their hands upon Alma, but behold, they did not. 
And Alma stood with boldness to declare unto them, Yea, he said, I did boldly testify unto them, saying, Behold, O ye wicked and perverse generation, how have ye forgotten the tradition of your fathers? Yea, how soon ye have forgotten the commandments of God. This is obviously what makes a people wicked. Alma goes on, Don't you remember our father Lehi was brought out of Jerusalem by the hand of God, and he preserved them in the wilderness? Have ye forgotten so soon how many times God delivered our fathers out of the hands of their enemies and preserved them from being destroyed? And if it had not been for his matchless power and his mercy and his long suffering towards us, we should unavoidably have been cut off from the face of the earth long before this period of time. Behold, now I say unto you that he commandeth you to repent. And except ye repent, ye can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. But behold, this is not all. He hath commanded you to repent, or he will utterly destroy you from off the face of the earth. Yea, he will visit you in his anger, and in his fierce anger he will not turn away. Behold, ye do ye not remember the words which he spake unto Lehi, saying, Inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. And again, it is said that inasmuch as ye will not keep my commandments, ye shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. Um, Alma continues to preach. He said, there are not many days hence, the Son of God shall come in his glory. And his glory shall be the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, equity, and truth, full of patience, mercy, and long suffering." quick to hear the cries of his people and to answer their prayers. Look, this is the sweet fruit that John was referring to when he read the book of the dispensation of the fullness of times. Alma continues, And behold, he cometh to redeem those who will be baptized unto repentance through faith on his name. Therefore prepare ye the way of the Lord, for the time is at hand that all men shall reap a reward of their works according to that which they have been. If they have been righteous, they shall reap the salvation of their souls, according to the power and deliverance of Jesus Christ. And if they have been evil, they shall reap the damnation of their souls, according to the power and capt um, captivation of the devil. Now it came to pass that when I, Alma, had spoken these words, behold, the people were wroth with me because I said unto them that they were a hard-hearted and a stiff-necked people, and also because I said unto them that they were a lost and a fallen people. They were angry with me and sought to lay their hands upon me that they might cast me into prison. But it came to pass that the Lord did not suffer them that they should take me at that time and cast me into prison. And it came to pass that Amulek went and stood forth, and then he began to preach unto the people. Okay, um, Amulek was interesting. He's an interesting guy. In verse 4 of chapter 10, he says, Behold, I am also a man of no small reputation among all those who know me. Yea, and behold, I have many kindreds and friends, and I have also acquired much riches by the hand of my industry. Um, Amulek, we're going to skip what he preached Obviously, go read it in Alma 10. It's some of the best doctrine in the Book of Mormon. 
But in verse 24, it says, And now it came to pass that the people were more angry with Amulek. And they cried out, saying, This man doth revile against our laws, which are just, and our wise lawyers, whom we have selected. Verse 26, For behold, have I testified against your law? Ye do not understand. Ye say that I have spoken against your law, right? That I've broken your law, but I have not. But I have spoken in favor of your law to your condemnation. And now behold, I say unto you that the foundation of the destruction of this people is beginning to be laid by the unrighteousness of your lawyers and your judges. This is a very important part of the story of Alma and Amulek, which I think makes it an important part of um, the latter days as well. Amulek says, or it says, And now it came to pass that when Amulek had spoken these words, the people cried out against him, saying, Now we know that this man is a child of the devil, for he hath lied unto us, for he hath spoken against our law. And now he says that he has not spoken against it. And again, he has reviled against our lawyers and our judges. So the people sided with the law. And they sided with these lawyers and judges. Um, Now the object of these lawyers was to get gain. And they got gain according to their employ. Um, It was the sole purpose of these lawyers and judges to get gain. Because that's how they received their wages. According to their employ. Therefore they did stir up the people to riotings and all manner of disturbances and wickedness, that they might have more employ, that they might get money according to the lawsuits which were brought before them. Okay, therefore they did stir up the people against Alma and Amulek. So this is the law gone corrupt and gone wrong. I have a quote from Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, who um, who said... We live in a world in which everything has been criminalized. And some professors have even opined that there's not an American alive who hasn't committed a felony in some, under some state law, closed quote. So what we're seeing today is similar to what Alma and Amulek ran into, okay, back in their time, which, by the way, this is about 80 years before Christ. Um, so you had Alma preach repentance to the people. You had Amulek preach repentance unto the people. The lawyers came in, the judges came in, and really tried to put a stop to the words that these prophets were declaring. Um, let's go ahead and skip forward. Chapter 13 here, we'll skip through 13 into chapter 14. And it says, chat verse 2, But the more part of them were desirous that they might destroy Alma and Amulek, for they were angry with Alma because of the plainness of his words against the lawyer Zeezrom. And they also said that Amulek had lied unto them and had reviled against their law and also against their lawyers and their judges. 
And the people went forth and witnessed against them, testifying that they had reviled against the law and their lawyers and judges of the land, and also of all the people that were in the land, and also testified that there was but one God, and that he should send his son among the people, but he should not save them, they said. And they brought, um, then there's a terrible scene where, you know, the, the chief justice was so angry that he brought out all of those who believed in God, including wives and children. And um, they started casting them into the fire along with their holy records. So they started getting rid of the scriptures. And I'm sure for all sorts of reasons, rationalizations uh, by the law, they figured that, you know, that they could get rid of these scriptures. Um, Now Amulek said unto Alma, Behold, perhaps they will burn us also. And Alma said, Be it according to the will of the Lord. But behold, our work is not finished. Therefore, they burn us not. And it came to pass that Alma and Amulek answered him nothing when the chief judge, um, who was after the secret combination of Nehor, started questioning them. And they cast them into prison for three days. Uh, While they were in prison, there came many lawyers and judges and priests and teachers who were of the profession of Nehor. And they came in unto the prison to see Alma and Amulek, and they questioned questioned them about many words, but they answered them nothing. Again, they questioned more, but they answered nothing. If ye have such great power, why do ye not deliver yourselves? Um... And they said all manner of such things unto Alma and Amulek, and thus they did mock them for many days. And they did withhold food from them, that they might hunger, and water that they might thirst. And they also did take from them their clothes that they were naked, and thus they were bound with strong cords and confined in prison. What a sacrifice offered by Alma and Amulek against the wickedness of Ammoniah. Um... Verse 24 of chapter 14. And the chief judge stood before them and smote them again and said unto them, If ye have the power of God, deliver yourselves from these bands. And then we will believe that the Lord will destroy this people according to your words. And it came to pass that they all went forth and smote them, saying the same words, even until the last. And when the last had spoken unto them, the power of God was upon Alma and Amulek, and they rose and stood upon their feet. And Alma cried, saying, How long shall we suffer these great afflictions, O Lord? O Lord, give us strength according to our faith, which is in Christ, even unto deliverance. And they broke the cords with which they were bound. And when the people saw this, they began to flee, for the fear of destruction had come upon them. And it came to pass that so great was their fear that they fell to the earth and did not obtain the outer door of the prison. And the earth shook mightily, and the walls of the prison were rent in twain, so that they fell to the earth. And the chief judge and the lawyers and priests and teachers who smote upon Alma and Amulek were slain by the fall thereof. And Alma and Amulek came forth out of the prison 
and they were not hurt. For the Lord had granted unto them power, according to their faith which was in Christ. And they straightway came forth out of the prison, and they were loosed from their bands, and the prison had fallen to the earth, um, and every soul within the walls thereof, save it were Alma and Amulek, was slain. Now the people, having heard a great noise, came running together by multitudes to know the cause of it. And when they saw Alma and Amulek coming forth out of the prison, and the walls thereof had fallen to the earth, they were struck with great fear and fled from the presence of Alma and Amulek, even as a goat fleeth with her young from two lions. And thus they did flee from the presence of Alma and Amulek. Um, Let's finish up this story in chapter 16. Behold, the armies had come in upon the wilderness side into the borders of the land, even into this city of Ammonihah and began to slay the people and destroy the city. Um, The people, verse 9, of Ammonihah were destroyed, yea, every living soul was destroyed, and also their great city, which they said God could not destroy because of its greatness. But behold, in one day it was left desolate, and the carcasses were mangled by dogs and wild beasts of the wilderness. After many days, the dead bodies were heaped up upon the face of the earth, and they were covered with a shallow covering. Now so great was the scent thereof that the people did not go in to possess the land of Ammonihah for many years, and it was called desolation. Um, We'll go ahead and close up, finish that story there. I think this story of Alma and Amulek awakens us to the reality of the prophecies that we hear about and read about concerning Babylon. Once the law turns against God's word, plague and judgment are not far behind, just like we saw with Alma and Amulek and the people of Ammonihah. Um, Follow the counsel given in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. When it says, Come out of Babylon, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. In verse 8, it says, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. I'll pick up and, and we'll actually finish with, um, with the words of Eric Brandt. He says, the high-minded patrons of modern Babylon likewise revel in a defiant but false sense of security. Most of her advocates fail to discern the precarious condition as they mingle in the great and spacious building, blinded by a terminal case of narcissism and compounded by prosperity, their surroundings feed an attitude of invincibility. Perhaps the fact that Babylon is relatively unopposed confirms their confidence. Only the prophetic warning of the wicked society's pending demolition disturbs the peace, but goes largely unheeded. Nevertheless, when the judgments are sent, Babylon's fall will be astonishingly quick and equal to the height of her conceit. Isaiah warns, But these two things shall come to thee in a moment in one day, the loss of children and widowhood, 
meaning Babylon will sit empty. The judgments and desolations that befell the whore Babylon have previously been discussed in Revelation 11, 14, 16, and 17. Their impact brings swift and final results in chapter 18. Like Isaiah's prophecy, John confirms that her demise comes in one day. The Lord's sudden retribution overruns the world, and many of her inhabitants are cut down by the calamities, as we read about in Doctrine and Covenants section 1. As it was in the days of Noah, when they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the flood came, so the punishing wrath of the Lord catches the wicked completely unawares. The worldwide calamities result in chaos, famine, death, and mourning. Ezekiel prophesied that many of Babylon's cities are burned with scorching fire. Anciently, the Mosaic law demanded death by fire as the penalty for fornication or murder. Those who drench themselves in wickedness and the blood of the righteous are vanquished in like manner. God is bound by his own laws to protect the faithful and execute justice. Otherwise, he would cease to be God. Alma 42.13 Society's breakdown proves fatal. Earth's long-established political and economic centers, the modern seats of Satan, crumble into ruin. The seer John points out that all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Therefore, all the sovereigns are guilty. John reminds us that in Babylon was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Revelation 18.24 So when we start to see that righteousness is opposed by the law, we will know that that is yet another trigger for the destruction of Babylon, which paves the way for the kingdom of heaven uh, to fill the earth.